Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, with translations and purports by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Third Canto, Chapter 7, Texts 8 through 14. Text 8. Sri Sukadev Goswami said, O King, Maitreya, being thus agitated by the inquisitive Vidura, at first seemed astonished, but then he replied to him without hesitation, since he was fully God-conscious. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. Since the great sage Maitreya was filled with God-consciousness, he had no reason to be astonished at such contradictory questions by Vidura. Therefore, although as a devotee he externally expressed surprise, as if he did not know how to reply to those questions, he immediately became perfectly settled and properly replied to Vidura. Yasmin vignate sarvam evam vignatam bhavati from the Mundaka Upanishad 1.3 Anyone who is a devotee of the Lord knows about the Lord to some extent, and devotional service to the Lord makes him able to know everything by the grace of the Lord. Although a devotee may apparently express himself to be ignorant, he is in full knowledge in every intricate matter. Text 9. Sri Maitreya answered. Certain conditioned souls put forward the theory that the Supreme Brahman, or the Personality of Godhead, is overcome by illusion, or maya, and at the same time they maintain that he is unconditioned. This is against all logic. Purport Sometimes it appears that the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is 100% spiritual, cannot be the cause of the illusory potency, which covers the knowledge of the individual soul. But factually, there is no doubt that the illusory external energy is also part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. When Vyasadeva realized the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he saw the Lord along with his external potency, which covers the pure knowledge of the individual living entities. Why the external energy acts in this way may be considered as follows, as analyzed by the great commentators like Viswanath Chakrabarti Thakur and Srila Jiva Goswami. Although the material, illusory energy, is distinct from the spiritual energy, it is one of the many energies of the Lord, and thus the material modes of nature, the mode of goodness, etc., are surely qualities of the Lord. The energy and the energetic personality of Godhead are not different, 
and although such energy is one with the Lord, he is never overpowered by it. Although the living entities are also parts and parcels of the Lord, they are overcome by the material energy. The inconceivable Yogam Aisvaram of the Lord, as mentioned in Bhagavad Gita 9.5, is misunderstood by the Frogish philosophers. In order to support a theory that Narayan, the Lord himself, becomes a Daridya Narayan, a poor man, they propose that the material energy overcomes the Supreme Lord. Srila Jiva Goswami and Srila Viswanath Chakrabarti Thakur, however, offer a very nice example and explanation. They say that although the sun is all light, the clouds, darkness, and snowfall are all part and parcel of the sun. Without the sun, there is no possibility of the skies being overcast with clouds or darkness, nor can there be snowfall on the earth. Although life is sustained by the sun, life is also disturbed by darkness and snowfall produced by the sun. But it is also a fact that the sun itself never becomes overcome by darkness, clouds, or snowfall. The sun is far, far away from such disturbances. Only those who have a poor fund of knowledge say that the sun is covered by a cloud or by darkness. Similarly, the Supreme Brahman, or the Para-Brahman, the Personality of Godhead, is always unaffected by the influence of the material energy, although it is one of his energies. Parasya Shaktir Vividaiva Shruyate There is no reason to assert that the Supreme Brahman is overpowered by the illusory energy. The clouds, darkness, and snowfall can cover only a very insignificant portion of the sun's rays. Similarly, the modes of material nature may react upon the ray-like living entities. It is the misfortune of the living entity, certainly not without reason, that the influence of the material energy acts on his pure consciousness and eternal bliss. This covering up of pure consciousness and eternal bliss is due to avidya karma samgya, the energy which acts on the infinitesimal living entities who misuse their minute independence. According to the Vishnu Purana, Bhagavad Gita, and all other Vedic literatures, the living entities are generated from the tatasta energy of the Lord, and thus they are always the energy of the Lord and are not the energetic. The living entities are like the sun's rays. Although, as explained above, there is no qualitative difference between the sun and its rays, the sun's rays are sometimes overpowered by another energy of the sun, namely the clouds, or by snowfall. Similarly, although the living entities are qualitatively one with the superior energy of the Lord, they have the tendency to be overpowered by the inferior material energy. In the Vedic hymns, 
it is said that the living entities are like the sparks of a fire. The sparks of fire also are fire, but the burning potency of the sparks is different from that of the original fire. When the sparks fly out of touch with the original fire, they are under the influence of a non-fiery atmosphere. Thus, they maintain the potency to again be one with the fire as sparks, but not as the original fire. The sparks can everlastingly remain within the original fire as its parts and parcels. But the moment the sparks become separated from the original fire, their misfortunes and miseries begin. The clear conclusion is that the Supreme Lord, who is the original fire, is never overpowered. But the infinitesimal sparks of fire can become overpowered by the illusory effect of maya. It is a most ludicrous argument to say that the Supreme Lord is overpowered by his own material energy. The Lord is the master of the material energy, but the living entities are in the conditioned state, controlled by the material energy. That is the version of the Bhagavad Gita. The froggish philosophers who put forward the argument that the Supreme Lord is overpowered by the material mode of goodness are themselves illusioned by the same material energy, although they think of themselves as liberated souls. They support their argument by a false and laborious jugglery of words, which is a gift of the same illusory energy of the Lord. But the poor, froggish philosophers, due to a false sense of knowledge, cannot understand the situation. In the sixth canto, ninth chapter, 34th verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, it is stated, Durva bodhi eva tavayam vihara yogo yad ashanaro sarira idam avanekshitas mat sambhaya Atmanaiva vyati kramemena sagonam aguna sujasi pashi harasi. Thus the demigods prayed to the Supreme Lord that although his activities are very difficult to understand, they can still be understood to some extent by those who sincerely engage in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. The demigods admitted that although the Lord is apart from the material influence or creation, he nevertheless creates, maintains, and annihilates the complete cosmic manifestation by the agency of the demigods. Text 10. The living entity is in distress regarding his self-identity. He has no factual background, like a man who dreams that he sees his head cut off. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. A teacher in school once threatened his pupil that he would cut off the pupil's head 
and hang it on the wall so that the child could see how his head had been cut off. The child became frightened and stopped his mischief. Similarly, the miseries of the pure soul and the disruption of his self-identification are managed by the external energy of the Lord, which controls those mischievous living entities who want to go against the will of the Lord. Actually, there is no bondage or misery for the living entity, nor does he ever lose his pure knowledge. In his pure consciousness, when he thinks a little seriously about his position, he can understand that he is eternally subordinate to the mercy of the Supreme, and that his attempt to become one with the Supreme Lord is a false illusion. Life after life, the living entity falsely tries to lord it over the material nature and become the lord of the material world. But there is no tangible result. At last, when frustrated, he gives up his material activities and tries to become one with the Lord and speculate with much jugglery of words, but without success. These activities are performed under the dictation of the illusory energy. The experience is compared to the experience of one's having his head cut off in a dream. The man whose head has been cut off also sees that his head has been cut off. If a person's head is severed, he loses his power to see. Therefore, if a man sees that his head has been cut off, it means that he thinks like that in hallucination. Similarly, a living entity is eternally subordinate to the Supreme Lord, and he has this knowledge with him. But, artificially, he thinks that he is God himself, and that although he is God, he has lost his knowledge due to Maya. This conception has no meaning, just as there is no meaning to seeing one's head being cut off. This is the process by which knowledge is covered. And because this artificial, rebellious condition of the living entity gives him all troubles, it is to be understood that he should take to his normal life as a devotee of the Lord and be relieved from the misconception of being God. The so-called liberation of thinking oneself God is the last reaction of avidya, by which the living entity is entrapped. The conclusion is that the living entity, deprived of eternal transcendental service to the Lord, becomes illusioned in many ways. Even in his conditioned life, he is the eternal servant of the Lord. His servitude, under the spell of illusory maya, is also a manifestation of his eternal condition of service. Because he has rebelled against the service of the Lord, he is therefore put in the service of the Maya. He is still serving, but in a perverted manner. When he wants to get out of service under material bondage, he next desires to become one with the Lord. This is another illusion. The best course, therefore, is to surrender unto the Lord, and thus get rid of the illusory maya for good, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 7.14.
daivihesha gunamai mamamaya daratyaya. Mam eva ye prapadyante mayametam tanatite. Text 11. As the moon, reflected on water, appears to the seer to tremble due to its being associated with the quality of the water, so the self, associated with matter, appears to be qualified as matter. Purport by Srila Prabhupada the Supreme Soul, the Personality of Godhead, is compared to the moon in the sky, and the living entities are compared to the reflection of the moon on water. The moon in the sky is fixed and does not appear to quiver like the moon on the water. Actually, like the original moon in the sky, the moon reflected on the water should also not quiver but because of being associated with the water, the reflection appears to be quivering, although in actual fact, the moon is fixed. The water moves, but the moon does not move. Similarly, the living entities appear to be tainted with material qualities, like illusion, lamentation, and miseries, although in the pure soul, such qualities are completely absent. The word pratiyate, which means apparently and not actually, like the experience of having one's head cut off in a dream, is significant here. The reflection of the moon on the water is separated rays of the moon, not the actual moon. The separated parts and parcels of the Lord entangled in the water of material existence, have the quivering quality, whereas the Lord is like the actual moon in the sky, which is not at all in touch with the water. The light of the sun and moon, reflected on matter, makes matter bright and praiseworthy. The living symptoms are compared to the light of the sun and the moon, illuminating material manifestations, like trees and mountains. The reflection of the sun or the moon is accepted as the real sun or moon by less intelligent men. And the pure monistic philosophy develops from these ideas. In fact, the light of the sun and the moon are actually different from the sun and the moon themselves, although they are always connected. The light of the moon spread throughout the sky, appears to be impersonal. But the moon planet, as it is, is personal, and the living entities on the moon planet are also personal. In the rays of the moon, different material entities appear to be comparatively more or less important. The light of the moon on the Taj Mahal appears to be more beautiful than the same light in the wilderness. Although the light of the moon is the same everywhere, due to being differently appreciated, 
it appears different. Similarly, the light of the Lord is equally distributed everywhere, but due to being differently received, it appears to be different. One should not, therefore, accept the reflection of the moon on the water as actual and misunderstand the whole situation through a monistic philosophy. The quivering quality of the moon is also a variable. When the water is standing still, there is no quivering. A more settled conditioned soul quivers less, but due to material connection, the quivering quality is more or less present everywhere. Text 12. But that misconception of self-identity can be diminished gradually by the mercy of the personality of Godhead, Vasudev, through the process of devotional service to the Lord in the mode of detachment. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda the quivering quality of material existence, which comes from identification with matter or from thinking oneself under the material influence of philosophical speculation to be God, can be eradicated by devotional service to the Lord, by the mercy of the personality of Godhead Vasudev. As discussed in the first canto, because the application of devotional service to Lord Vasudev invites pure knowledge, it quickly detaches one from the material conception of life and thus revives one's normal condition of spiritual existence, even in this life, and frees one from the material winds which cause one to quiver. Only knowledge in devotional service can elevate one toward the path of liberation. The development of knowledge for the purpose of knowing everything, without rendering devotional service, is considered fruitless labor, and one cannot get the desired result by such a labor of love. Lord Vasudev is pleased by devotional service only, and thus his mercy is realized by association with pure devotees of the Lord. Pure devotees of the Lord are transcendental to all material desires, including the desire for the results of fruitive activities and philosophical speculation. If one wants to acquire the mercy of the Lord, he has to associate with pure devotees. Such association alone can, by degrees, release one from the quivering elements. Text 13. 
When the senses are satisfied in the seer supersoul, the personality of Godhead, and merge in him, all miseries are completely vanquished, as after a sound sleep. Report by Srila Prabhupada The quivering of the living entity, as described above, is due to the senses. Since the entire material existence is meant for sense gratification, the senses are the medium of material activities, and they cause the quivering of the steady soul. Therefore, these senses are to be detached from all such material activities. According to the impersonalists, the senses are stopped from work by merging the soul in the Supreme Brahman. The devotees, however, do not stop the material senses from acting, but they engage their transcendental senses in the service of the transcendence, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In either case, the activities of the senses in the material field are to be stopped by a cultivation of knowledge, and, if possible, they can be engaged in the service of the Lord. The senses are transcendental in nature, but their activities become polluted when contaminated by matter. We have to treat the senses to cure them of the material disease, not stop them from acting, as suggested by the impersonalist. In Bhagavad Gita 259, it is said that one ceases all material activities only when satisfied by contact with a better engagement. Consciousness is active by nature and cannot be stopped from working. Artificially stopping a mischievous child is not the real remedy. The child must be given some better engagement so that he will automatically stop causing mischief. In the same way, the mischievous activities of the senses can be stopped only by better engagement in relation with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When the eyes are engaged in seeing the beautiful form of the Lord, the tongue engaged in tasting prasad or remnants of food offered to the Lord, the ears are engaged in hearing his glories. The hands engaged in cleansing the temple of the Lord. The legs engaged in visiting his temples. Or when all the senses are engaged in transcendental variegatedness, then only can the transcendental senses become satiated and eternally freed from material engagement. The Lord is the Supersoul, residing in everyone's heart, and as the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the transcendental world, far beyond the material creation, is the seer of all our activities. Our activities must be so transcendentally saturated that the Lord will be kind enough to look upon us favorably and engage us in his transcendental service. Then only can the senses be satisfied completely and be no longer troubled by material attractions.
Text 14. Simply by chanting and hearing of the transcendental name, form, etc., of the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna, one can achieve the cessation of unlimited material conditions. Therefore, what to speak of those who have attained attraction for serving the flavor of the dust of the Lord's lotus feet? Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Two different methods for controlling the material senses are recommended in the Vedic scriptural wisdom. One of them is the process of gyan, or the path of philosophical understanding of the Supreme, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. The other is that of direct engagement in the transcendental loving devotional service of the Lord. Of these two most popular methods, the path of devotional service is recommended here as the best, because one on the path of devotional service does not have to wait for the attainment of fruitive results of pious activities or for the results of knowledge. The two stages of executing devotional service are, first, the stage of practicing devotional service with our present senses under the regulations of the recognized scriptures. And second, attaining sincere attachment for serving the particles of dust at the lotus feet of the Lord. The first stage is called sadhana bhakti, or devotional service for the neophyte, which is rendered under the direction of a pure devotee. And the second stage is called raga bhakti, in which the mature devotee automatically takes to the various services of the Lord out of sincere attachment. The great sage Maitreya now gives the final answer to all the questions of Vidura. Devotional service to the Lord is the ultimate means to mitigate all the miserable conditions of material existence. The path of knowledge, or that of mystic gymnastics, may be adopted as a means for the purpose, but unless mixed with bhakti, or devotional service, they are unable to award the desired result. By practicing sadhana bhakti, one may gradually rise to the point of raga bhakti, and by performing raga bhakti in loving transcendental service, one can even control the supreme powerful lord. <laughs> 